Welcome to the Reality of Herbal Therapy podcast. Today we'll be talking about allergies. Yeah, but before we begin, we want to um, inform you of our disclaimer. Do not feel that by listening to this podcast that we have dispensed medical advice to you or have given you the ability to treat yourself or others with this information. We do not directly or indirectly dispense medical advice or prescribe the use of herbs as a form of treatment for sickness without medical approval. It's not the intent of this podcast to diagnose, diagnose or prescribe. The intent is only to offer herbal information from the herbalist's point of view, only for your consideration. In the event you use this information without your doctor's approval, you are prescribing for yourself, which is your God-given right. But the publisher and authors assume no responsibility. So let's turn it over to Dr. James and his son, Scott. Um, basically, there's a, there's a formula called HAYAS. <coughs> We're going to talk a lot about that formula, but let me tell you the beginnings of that. When I was a kid growing up in New Mexico, now New Mexico doesn't have a lot of green, you know, it's kind of desert, dry desert, upper, uh, there's some forest, but I was raised in the part of the state that was agriculture um, and kind of dry, and I would just almost die from the time I was a little bitty kid to to adulthood, when there was allergy season, ragweed, and it spring was just, uh, I never felt good. So I always struggled with this. <clears throat> then I ended up, as a in my t- early 20s, I ended up going to Oregon. Oh my goodness. Big difference between New Mexico and Oregon. Oregon is, I was in the Willamette Valley, and it is green. I, uh, I had been, um, Suffering for allergies for quite some time, so I just I decided I'm going to break down and go to the doctor's. And in the little town that I was in, it was outside Portland. Uh, I ca- started calling the doctors, and without exception, every individual that answered the phone said, "Oh, if you're that sick, go to the hospital." And so, I am not going to the hospital. So I continued to suffer. Well, I had a a friend give me a book an herbal book. I'd never, ever been exposed to herbs. Uh, well, I had peppermint tea and, and different things like that as a kid, and, and but I, I never really thought about it as a therapy. Well, I started reading this bu- book. It was Jethro Klaus's Back to Eden. Oh, my goodness. Uh, some of the some of the cures in that book are worse than the disease. You know, I started experimenting on myself, and then I came down to a formula that was in powder and in tea form, and, and I would make that, and it made a real big difference in my allergies. Then I got to the point where I was encapsulating and get the powder and encapsulating it. Um, we have some information on how to do your own capsules. That's a real difficult thing to do, you know, scoop it together. People are always trying to make a funnel to fill the pills up. We have an easy, simple thing, and we'll put a link on the notes to uh, about uh, how how to watch a little YouTube video uh, on and how to um, make your own capsules. And you can pack them tighter than a pharmaceutical uh, machine can. Um, so as I began to take care of my own allergies, it was basically the, be- the beginning of me deciding that herbology is something I wanted to go into. Because I was so successful in doing that, other people would see my success and ask what I did and and it just began from there. Trying to find a place that would educate me was the tough part. The tough part we got right now is there's what we call, Scott kind of coined this phrase, 
and that's an allopathic herbalist. That means uh, the they accept all the garbage that the medical profession has to say about herbs, and then treat people according to that. And it's really bastardized herbology. Yeah, they justify herbology against med- Pharma- <laughs> pharmaceutical. They they come from a pharmaceutical side. And they justify and look for side effects and everything that the pharmaceuticals put out about herbs. They believe a lot of those side effects and they buy into a lot of how the medical industry looks at herbs and dosing and all kinds of things. They don't come from an herbology standpoint. They come from a medical standpoint and dabble in herbs. You can see that's one of Scott's hot buttons. So let's talk, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about that because I think it's worth talking about, especially along with allergies and things like that. What happens is that they find an herb, and let's pick on comfrey root because it's been picked on a lot, and it helps with lungs. They will isolate the remedy, meaning they'll find that the chemical compound that affects lungs. And instead of extracting it from the herb, they will chemically recreate it because, you know, they think a, a, a chemical is a chemical is a chemical. But in reality, uh, there's worlds apart. So then they they decide, they've extracted the remedy. That's called extracting the remedy, and then they concentrate it. Becomes very toxic, particularly in comfort. So in the destruction of the liver, it's the chemical that they isolated and created. They fail to realize that comfrey root and all the other plants are synergistically made, meaning that in comfrey root there's other components that instead of it destroying livers when you take the actual plant it cures or purifies the liver so concentrating the remedy case in point monosodium glutamate you know uh, MSG monosodium glutamate is very very toxic but glutamate in your food there's nothing wrong with it as long as you didn't add it just the natural glutamate that is already there it's perfectly normal and actually essential for um, communication of cells and many other things, the opening of the cell membrane to allow calcium to flow through. There's a lot of purposes to it, but in concentration, glutamate too concentrated actually will open up the cell walls and allow too much calcium to get into a cell, and the cell self-destructs, along with a host of other bad things it does. So, so when you take an herb with that, dangerous chemical in it it's not dangerous because it's balanced with all the other all the other uh, chemical compounds that are in the plant and all the nutrients so um, herbs are a lot safer so it's pretty marginal uh, whether or not those counterindications can be applied to the plant versus the chemical they made that they decided not to market because it was so dangerous and along the lines that we're talking about allopathic herbalists, that dosing is a big issue for them. Dosing. How do you dose an herb? Um, because they're also, trying to dose that, that compound. Exactly. They're trying right. to dose a compound. And there's we've herbalists are, a lot of allopathic herbalists are pharmacists 100 years ago. What pharmacists started out as. And that's what a lot of herbalists are headed into. They standardize extracts. So they determine what is the best what's the best elements, compound? what's yeah. the best compound in an herb, and then they want to make sure that that compound is always the same. But 
in true herbology, it is about using the plant in its season and being able to take the whole plant and use it for its good qualities and its synergistic qualities as a whole plant versus determining what in it is the best for us to use. And in, as an herbalist, medicines they're, they're are supposed... Back, they're going backwards. Yeah, they're going backwards. Yes, they the, as an herbalist, all um, remedies and everything are supposed to be not benign, but not... They aren't supposed to cause your body to do anything, but give your body the nutrients the, and the ability, the building, the building blocks to do what it needs to, not put in, um, um, like, hormones or other things like that. It's just about giving your body nutrients and building blocks. So the body can make its own hormones. Exactly. Right. And we're, we're going the wrong way as herbalists if we are going to try to standardize our herbs and move towards... Move towards um, pharmacology. Pharmacology. <laughs> I mean, even extracts move towards pharmacology. There's a company that has it down to such a science, and s- making an extract in such a science that it's exactly the same all the time. I think is completely opposite of what we should be doing in herbology. Oh. A plant is grown in a season, and uh, your el- your cold is completely different in one season than it is in another. The herbs that are grown in that season are great for it, and it's always different, and that is one of the benefits of herbology. One of the biggest questions that people have is, well, how do I, how do I know how much of this herb to get to get this particular chemical? We don't do that. What we do is, like we said several times, is we're trying to give the body the building blocks necessary for the body to do it itself. Now, I'm sorry I got your hot button right <laughs> off here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pull back a little bit. We need to talk about uh, let's talk about allergies. Hayes is a plant, a formula that nourishes and feeds upper respiratory systems. Now, if we're feeding and nourishing systems, then we're taking care of a plethora of illnesses. Um, a lot of times, people will say, "Well, do I have asthma or bronchitis?" Really, tell you the truth, I don't care. I care, but I don't care because if you nourish and feed and and purify the upper respiratory system, those go away. So it's not so critical to us as herbalists to find out exactly what it is. We want to know what does it affect. Yes, we want to know that it affects the lungs uh, and the circulation or, or or whatever because we want to nourish and feed that system. And we'd be going completely wrong off the, <laughs> the, we'd be going off the path if we tried to treat a specific illness, because in herbology you should treat the whole system. Because you'll miss if you don't treat the whole lung, you miss other parts of the lung that may be having a problem. When you treat the whole lung, the lung is healthy and it stays away from those problems more. You treat the whole upper respiratory system, and it gets rid of it. Whether it's a sinus infection or whether it's allergies or whether it's an earache, it doesn't matter. Hey, as helps with anything up in your head. And and a lot of times people will say, "Well, uh, I, and, and I found out what it is. I've spent all these months trying to find out what it is." Because the uh, allopathic industry spends a tremendous amount. Of, in fact, they don't treat it generally unless they know what it is. They, they spend more time trying to put a name on it, when in reality, it affects the lungs. So let's just feed and nourish the lungs and see if that makes some difference. And it does, because we were... I, I, I don't care what everybody else believes, this is what I believe. We were created by someone that knew exactly what he, was, he or she was doing. So... 
healing mechanisms, healing processes are built into us, but they get clogged up with with uh, toxins, that gets clogged up with uh, bad nutrition. So those are the two factors of health, nutrition and toxicity. A lot of people say, well, i got a great diet. How can I be toxic? Your body gets rid of 8 million cells a day. That's toxic. Just normal metabolic process byproduct, there's toxins. So what we're trying to do is nourish that. And hey, as I am so grateful I found that formula and created it and was inspired. And, and I did that before I had pretty much any education in herbology because I, I did it for myself. And then as I, I got the education and, and went into practice and working with people, I have changed that formula very little. In fact, the changes have been brought about because uh, some herbs were unable to get or something like that. That formula has been has performed and changed people's lives for a long, long time. When I was in Tennessee, I used it. I had, I didn't know they had such thing as a pollen index. They got a pollen index, and I, you'd wake up in the morning and your car could be covered in green stuff. You turn your windshield wipers on, turns pea soup on your windshield. You just covered in pollen. In the middle, in the evening, there'd be lights on, and you could see a hue of green. Never experienced that in New Mexico. So going to Tennessee, my allergy has kicked up a lot, and Hayaz made a huge difference for me. And by uh, using the Hayaz, I had a lot of friends that their allergies were horrible too because they were from the southwest and going to Tennessee, and they like me were going miserable. Or- like me going to Oregon. <laughs> exactly. They were miserable, but the Hayaz hands down took care of it. Well, as as years have gone by and me taking Hayaz systematically, symptomatically, and the the thing is with Hayes, if Hayes is not helping, you're not taking enough. Because the pollen may be high, may be low. Just take it symptomatically. If you're having a hard time, you're not taking enough. If you're doing good, try to take less. Uh, it took about three years, and I desensitized myself from my allergies. It's very rare that I take that formula anymore. Occasionally, there'll be some kind of uh, flu come around that uh, affects the lungs and stuff like that. And I may take a little bit of it, but it... In a few years, you will desensitize yourself from your allergies. It's been very, very common. So, as as a as a company, as a as a man making a a living out of herbs, I screwed up because I made that formula too good. You know, it, it, yeah, I should have the paradigm of having to take it all the time. But we have the philosophy of of help people, help them understand the formula, so they can take care of themselves and their families. They have that independence, and then. Uh, uh, we can help them with other problems later on. We don't want to make people dependent on taking herbs. Generally in the clinic, when somebody comes in with a bad problem, we've got generally about three months, and we've got them pretty much on a, a maintenance program or a, a, a cut-down-the-pills type of program. Herbology, herbs, herbal formulas should be a get yourself better and move on. Um, taking the same formula day in and day out for years and years and years it is bad medicine because you're not addressing the problem. So you need to look and see maybe there's something else involved here. Okay, that's why dry, we do dry blood analysis. It's very easy to find out the health of the blood. But allergies are just devastated with hayas. Now, of course, there's other things you want to participate in with, like vitamin C. You know, vitamin C is always a wonderful thing to take. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and any of the antioxidants like... Um, a and 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 C and E 
Those are all wonderful things to do for your allergies. However, there's also some other formulas. <clears throat> Let's talk about asthma. My opinion. Now, this is just uh, out of the book of James, Michael E., chapter 2, verse 3, that asthma is created or allowed to happen because the upper respiratory system hasn't been dealt with right. Because I don't think you get asthma unless allergies have been ignored. Because you got this infiltration of mucus and all that stuff draining into your lungs. And it causes irritation, inflammation, things like that. And after a period of time, you've got the lung is weakened. And how do you even get anything into your lungs except through your upper respiratory system? Everything has to pass through the upper respiratory system. And the upper respiratory system is actually designed to filter a lot of the junk before it gets into your lungs. Now, it's designed to warm the air. It's designed to do a lot of different things. So nothing can get in to cause problems in your lungs unless, unless it went through your upper respiratory system first. Unless it's a toxin that the body is ex- exhaling or expelling. Yeah, or expelling through you know, your lungs. So, so real toxic blood can, can cause lung problems, but it's very uncommon. So people that have asthma, uh, it, where that breaks down the philosophy in the world today is to open up the bronchial tubes so you can get more air in it. Well, that's not necessarily our, our philosophy. We want to facilitate helping the lungs do what it wants to do, and that's to get rid of all that mucus and garbage that's in the system. Mucus a lot of times builds up because it's trying to protect the membranes, but over uh, amount of mucus just complicates breathing. Along the lines of breathing, uh, there's a formula we use, monia, and I had an experience with, I was working in a health food store, and this guy comes in, and he smokes like crazy, and he's on oxygen. And he always smelled horribly of smoke. I bet you he smoked a couple packs a day. He comes in, and I told him he could use... Did you help him? I did. With pneumonia, <laughs> he, he got off of oxygen, but he didn't quit smoking. He was That's able to, while, yeah, while he was continuing to smoke, he didn't cut back on it at all, he was able to completely get off of oxygen just using ammonia. Which testifies how amazing monia is for the lungs. He was able to do something that destroys your lungs and use monia and get ahead of it. Now we don't recommend that kind of abuse. <laughs> no. Okay. But, but you know you can't sew your patient's lips shut when they when they're smoking. They'll find the nose to smoke. <laughs> exactly. Like so uh, and monia is a, a real interesting formula because it doesn't really take a lot of monia. How much did you put him on a day? I put him on three a day. Three a day. Now, with herbs, that's a pretty small amount. Three to six a day. Six at the max, but it was three a day. And then there's another formula that's really helpful for upper respiratory stuff, lungs, all that kind of stuff, is that it's called Flim Up. Flim Up uh, was a formula. All the names of my formulas, I'd go, so I'd sit down at the kitchen table, generally at dinner time, and I'd tell the family, what this formula does, and I've used it for a long time. I really I needed to make it a name instead of, you know, a formula that's uh, uh, 3-4-A. Uh, and I tell them what it does, and I wanted a name, Flim Up, Hawk, and Spit. But I got outruled, because all my kids go, ooh, daddy. And, and, but now that they're older, they think that'd be a good name. I don't know how I'd market, but because it actually helps you bring mucus out of your lungs. You cough, you know, when you got that dry cough that just, oh, mine just kills you, and you're not coughing anything up, just within a few hours or a few days, Flim Up will help 
facilitate the moving of that. And it's a lot more pleasant than taking some of the other herbs. They'll just make you throw up all the mucus all at once that's in your lungs. I'll have to tell you, one of the, <laughs> I'll have to tell you a story like that. But phlegm up is one of those that are so effective, again, that you only take a few of them. You take, start out with like two or three and see how the mucus is moving <laughs> because you take too much and you might throw up a little bit of your mucus getting it out because it's very effective in how it gets the mucus out of your lungs. I generally tell people when it's, when you start moving the mucus out of your lungs and it's coming up real good, I just tell them quit taking it. And then, you know, if you need to eat again, you can go back to it. Once you get familiar with a the formula, then, you, then you, you're able to use it, utilize it. In fact, one of the first patients, as I got out of school and went to work as an alternative health care, there was a man that called me in. I was making house calls at that time. Um, he had asthma. Now, I had a professor that she was pretty colorful. That's a whole other story in itself. But she, she said, give your asthma patients this formula. And then she said, now, don't let it freak you out if they throw up a bunch of mucus out of their lungs. And I thought, yeah, okay. So I, I and this was well, I probably the third or fourth patient that I once I hung my shingle out. And I gave him this formula and... Uh, Pretty soon he goes over to the toilet and he started throwing up. He must have threw up a quart, a quart and a half of, of brown-looking mucus out of his lungs. And I was standing there patting him on the back. Good job. You're doing a good job of thinking, oh, my goodness. What happened? And it's never happened again. Not in that extreme. And I never, ever treated him for asthma again after he hawked up that big, nasty quart of garbage. But it, it, it freaked me out because I was told it, that might happen. And then it did happen. And it was like, oh, my goodness, did I give him too much? Did I not? You know, that kind of stuff. When in reality, uh, and I had warned him, too, because I had been warned by, by my professor. But uh, it was kind of well, come to Jesus type of meeting. It was pretty scary. you know. So Flim Up's awesome. In combination. Now, if you have lungs, if you have lung problems, you need to be help taking HAZ also to keep the infiltration down in your lungs. you got to uh, keep your inlet clean. <laughs> your inlet clean and your exit clean. You start pl- plugging up. And that's another thing. There's With allergies, there's organs and systems that have been compromised. And in allergies, I really believe that the liver needs to be purified. A little bit more because when you get allergies, you start craving refined carbohydrates without fail. You know, somebody's got allergies and they go get a candy bar or a soda or something like that. It's, it's they begin to crave worse foods, and then that complicates it. A lot of people blame milk. Well, it's not milk. It's milk products that complicate mucus. Does milk cause those type of things? Not necessarily, but it just doesn't. It's just a harder thing for the body to process is the, the pasteurized and homogenized and chemicalized RBGH in the milk. Um, the body has a hard time with it. We've had a dairy cow off and on for many years. And we'd squeeze our own cow and bring it home and drink it. And, and our children flourished. Well, then the cow died. And the kids had a milk habit, so we'd bring city milk home is what they began to call it. And they could tell whether it was, they could taste the milk and say, oh, this came out of a cardboard box, or this came out of a plastic jug. And then they'd get this big, 
green, nasty, gooey-looking, snotty nose. And it was from the city milk. The farm milk that we produced never, ever produced any of that. Never, ever produced any of that. It was a homogenization and the pasteurization. And ultra-pasteurized ultra products in any shape or form are absolutely poisonous. They have, they've been, they've been, the bacteria has been killed and destroyed, and it, it literally turns into an excitotoxin. We've talked a little bit about excitotoxins. And talking along those lines about um, when your lungs are clogged up and you got the allergies, you start to ca- uh, crave a lot more of those refined sugars and other stuff like that. <clears throat> Which makes sense to me because your lungs are one of your main organs for getting rid of toxins. And if it's clogged up and it can't get rid of its toxin load, where does it go? The toxin load that it's usually responsible for getting Back rid of. into the blood and through the liver and kidneys. Exactly. So your liver and kidneys have a lot more that they have to do. So just understanding that, and that's why we'd say clean the liver, because it's the it's the go-to after your lungs. Your body's going to get rid of the toxins one way or the other. If it can't get it through the lungs, then it puts an overload on your bladder and kidneys and your um, liver. And and then skin. Some people have skin, well. skin problems during allergy season. And they think, well, it's a, it's an antihistamine reaction in them having skin problems because of that. No, it's a toxic load. And and antihistamine, we don't even mess with our our herbs. Antihistamine, I don't care. They they help the upper respiratory system. Call them what you want. Call them what you want. So we've kind of chewed hay as up a little bit, and you need to realize that uh, it it does make a nice herbal tea. If you don't want to take it in capsules, so you just open up a capsule for her cup of tea and let it steep or let the, the the powder fall to the bottom and suck the liquid off the top is is real nice uh, honey's better than sugar don't be using sugar in the herbs agave's nice too plus honey has that extra benefit besides just sweeten it it actually pulls out more of the properties of the herb and I, and I tell people also put a teaspoon of vinegar in there because apple cider vinegar is a food. It's absolutely wonderful for upper respiratory stuff, lung things. It puts in a a real high amount of ev- available minerals. It's not got a lot of minerals in it, but what minerals are in it just sucks right up into it the It has system. more calcium in a tablespoon than a cup of milk does. Yeah, so... And so, it has a massive amount of potassium. So, if, and, and potassium. That's We need to do a sodium potassium one here one of these days. Well, it's been fun. You got any last words here? On Hayaz, we're up to about 30 minutes here. I think I'm good. Okay. I'm going to like, talk real quick about anti-spaz. Anti-spaz. <laughs> That's why we got totally Jim forgot here. about that one. <laughs> anti-spaz you use instead of an inhaler whenever you have lung problems. It's called anti-spaz because it's an anti-spasmodic, which means it stops spasms, spasms of the lung. So anytime the lung is spasming, it helps to put a stop to it, helps to open up the airways. I know whenever I've had a cough and I've just been, I can't talk hardly at all, I take a dropper full of that and immediately it opens up and I can talk normal again. I've got some kids that are just downright lazy. (laughs) And, And I've got a kid that if he gets any lung or nose problems where he just gets anti-spaz. When in reality, there's a better way to treat it, but he just gets lazy and takes takes anti-spaz. Generally in the clinic, I like to give my patients the first dose of anti-spaz because it is so nasty. 
I enjoy watching them grimace. <laughs> so don't expect to be na- uh, good, but it works better if you take it off the out of the dropper than drink some water after it instead yeah. of diluting it in something. You want that boom, that real hit to the lungs uh, to where it relaxes it real quick. Okay, thank you, Jim. It also encourages <laughs> mucus to come out of the lungs and really encourages the lungs to function properly. But the main thing is it helps you to breathe right now. Most often if you use an inhaler, you can take a dropper before you need your before you take your inhaler, and most often it'll stop it. And if it doesn't, take another dropper full, and if that doesn't stop it, then take your inhaler. And very rarely do people ever have to use their inhaler with using antispas. I've really never seen anybody have a difficult time getting off inhalers uh, with antispas. Of course, that's your choice. Um, some of those chemicals are concentrated remedies and has some real difficult times um, with the glandular system. So we've had fun talking about Hayes and upper respiratory stuff. Realize that there's not some magical chemical out there, and these herbs are not magical things. They're nutrients that feed your body so your body can function properly.